parties are usually Friday night. A lot of high rollers, a lot of big tips. You want in the VIP room? It's 50 bucks to me, plus a blowjob later on. All the stories have been told Of kings in days of old But there's no England now You're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. Today we are talking about episode six of season three, University. Uh, this episode was written by David Chase, Todd Kessler, Terrence Winter, Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess, and Salvatore Stabile. They all contributed and... Um, some were part of the story, some were part of the teleplay. Lots of cooks in the kitchen on this one. And looking back, it kind of feels like a protective measure mm-hmm. because this episode got a lot of heat when it came out. A lot um, of people canceled their HBO subscriptions. Allegedly. 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 This is one of my favorite episodes. Just right off the bat, what about it is makes it one of your favorite? It's wild. It's so violent. It's so intense. It reminds you of why you watch The Sopranos, I guess. Directed by Alan Coulter, forgot to mention, and it originally aired on April 1st, 2001. HBO synopsis, Ralph's volatile relationship with a bada-bing stripper and his obsession with the movie Gladiator combined to put a damper on several boys' nights out sessions at the club. I like that. I like the way they said, like, explained that. (laughs) Meanwhile, at, sorry, meanwhile, at Columbia, Meadow's relationship with Noah is put to the test by her needy roommate, Caitlin. I just got the pun input to the test as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just copied and pasted the synopsis, and as I read it, I basically just like fell in love with it (laughs) on the air. Uh, Initial comment real quick before we jump into this cut after cut after cut, which I'll ask you guys about in a moment. The title is a bit of a paradox for me in a cookie-cutter sense. It speaks to um, Meadows' college experience, right, from studies to relationships to roommates to homesickness. In another sense, it speaks to the school of hard knocks with respect, of course, to Tracy. So uh, I didn't really see too much mention about the title and Tracy, but I feel like you can't not think about it in in Tracy's yeah. Like, she's new to the bang brackets. Yeah, that's true. She's going through an education it's of her, the bang as well. Initiation. The hard knocks. This episode is. We talked about this just real quickly, and probably we'll talk about it several times throughout the course of the pod. This episode is bookended by the song uh, Living on a Thin Line by the Kinks. Had either of you heard the song before the show? No. Mm-mm. Had either of you been familiar with the music of the Kinks before yes. the show? Yes. I had not. And since the first time I saw this episode, that song and the sequence of events that unfold in this episode are forever seared in my brain. I can't listen to that song now without thinking about the smoky-filled Bing, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's kind of like one of those things. Like, I can think about Dire Straits without thinking about The Sopranos, but this particular song, I can only think about The Sopranos when I hear it. What about that Journey song? That I can get away from as well, because I really like that song before. I'll always think about Sopranos for a moment, but then I'll be able to like move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the music choices from here on out really go next level. And there are several choices, beginning with this one, that are just all-time alchemy-level stuff. Totally. I've watched ahead a couple of episodes. I already have the notes for you guys, so I'm just going to go... Pss, Do pss, it. Pss, and go. send them your, your way. And the song choices are just like fire, 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 fire. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Just wanted to get that on the table. Let's jump into the opening sequence. The song, 
Obviously, the camera choices, Alex Sakharov is back behind the camera on this one. The mood. I have a note for you guys that the girls are like zombies. Everything feels kind of slow motion. Any thoughts or questions or reactions to that or disagreement? I mean, I've sampled my fair share of strip clubs before. It's kind of the vibe. They're just kind of like doing their thing. Why did you hesitate with that, by the way? It's okay. I didn't know how to like, (laughs) how to come come out with that. You've been to strip clubs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's pretty common. The zombie vibe? Yeah, I mean, I think that's not necessarily how all strippers are, but I think sometimes that mood can be portrayed without knowing if the strippers are happy or not. And also, it's like not always a safe place for these girls. It's like they're working and guys are, they have security guys and like the people that are security are Silvio and Tony and Georgie. Like those are the people that are going to save them. Like, security. Yeah, that there's not really a real setup at the Bing, at least in the show. Like there's no real proper security guard. I mean, it's borderline it's uh, sex workers yeah. there. I mean, with our experience of getting what's behind the door. The VIP room. Yeah, you... I feel bad for all of those girls, and they're probably not in the best of mood. But also, you know, on the flip side, because I have some friends that actually do strip I'm on the side. Ask, yeah, they make a lot strip? of money, and they really enjoy it. So it's like, I think it's like one of these things where people think it's a certain way, but it's not. But also, you know, they, they put themselves in this situation, and it's a little dangerous. But also, Tracy, she's making lots of money. She's supporting her kid. I love the scene. I love the overhead shot. It makes it so dramatic. Mm-hmm doesn't flatter them either, which I think is interesting. The dark shadows, oh, like, the right on the face. Oh, the lights do not them at all. Yeah. They do not look... They, yeah, that's an interesting... That's an interesting the thing overhead light up. is never... No. Never flattering. No. A funny sequence was George and the nicknames. Uh, thinking Yo-Yo Ma was a nickname was classic. Malaprop adjacent writing. I think Silvio said that. Sobriquet is a nice little French word that Georgie drops, which I thought was, like, a fascinating, like, total out-of-place word for him. Almost made me feel like he gets one of those, like, daily emails, word-of-the-day emails. Tony and Tracy, part one. Um, he backs away from the Date Nut bread. bread. Thoughts on, reactions on Date Nut Bread? Well, it's like a old traditional cake eaten in Britain, so I would imagine Italians aren't very familiar with it, which is why he's like, you made me bread. Because, you know, like, <laughs> Carmela brings, like, casseroles and full things. I just think... He was surprised, but also it's, like, probably not the choice that he would want. Have you ever had date nut bread? I don't even know what date nut yeah, bread is. Yeah, it's kind of like soda bread. Have you ever had soda bread? It's no. like an Irish... Q. John. No. <laughs> it is. It's like an old... Let me tell you about the bread of my people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cute. It's good with, like, a black coffee. It's still totally inappropriate. She has no he... clue. This episode's a lot about the rules. Yeah, but what was inappropriate about saying thank you with bread? It's the gesture of giving food is not something... Uh, a woman that's sleeping with the maid man should give to another man. Another man. man. So it's like an old school thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is he concerned that it's like she's trying to kill him? Is he that paranoid? Like, is it poisonous bread? I don't think so. You think there was any of that there? No. Okay. No. Cut to the Soprano family dinner table. So we're going to do a lot of jump cuts on this episode. We go from the Bing to the Soprano family dinner table. Again, irony, but purposeful and consequential in every way. Uh, We hear about a gladiator versus Aaron Brockovich debate. Where do you guys fall on that conversation? I've never seen Aaron Brockovich. What? I know. I'm just... Add that to the long list of great movies. I do love Gladiator. I love Gladiator. It's no Gladiator. Gladiator's in a league of its own. The Ralphie taint notwithstanding. Favorite Gladiator scene, real quick on the spot without thinking? I like the theme song. Fail, fail, fail. I just like the theme song. Mine is the frost from the blade. You know how it sticks? Yeah. When he gets himself out of that harm's way, that's just like an all-time, like, cinematic moment. 
I like the scene for two reasons, though, because we realized uh, Ralphie likes really violent movies. Yeah. And we also realized he feels like he was cheated his childhood and didn't get to pursue his dreams of being an architect, Mm -hmm. which I think are two really good things to know moving forward of how he is and acts. Because, like, it's like... He thinks of himself as a builder, but he's actually more of, like, a destroyer. Yeah, well, he's also just, like, you know, you could sense he wants attention or validation and no one's giving it to him. You know, and, like, that he's a repressed emotionally... Like, something went wrong and he's acting out like it it kind of doesn't justify his shitty self but it kind of justifies why he's the way he is so it's it's we we're in agreement that in a way the show is trying to humanize him Mm -hmm. and make him look completely despicable in the same episode yeah right it's contrasting back and forth between that you love him as a character what does all this do for you in terms of like a fan of him and a fan of the character like what does this episode do and say for you because i'm such a purveyor of antagonists he is the epitome of evil he's the epitome of like a moral quandary that other people have to deal with and this episode exemplifies that it's i don't approve or condone any of the actions that he takes but there is not a more raw character to me than this character on the show ralphie says what am i the invisible man of course which i think is a reference to the 1952 book of the same name by Ralph Ellison. You think the Ralph tie-in name? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But it's a novel that has overtones about the absurdity of life and existential angst. Yeah, and then it was made into a movie. It was made into a movie. I only saw the movie. (laughs) But I was torn because I didn't think that he would have been able to make that reference, but he's very sophisticated and with his wardrobe, so maybe. But anyway, I'm just tossing that out. He pauses, Ralphie pauses when he tells what year he had to quit school. Is that because he's lied about it so many times he forgot what year he's been lying about? Or is there something else to that? Is it just me finding fault with Ralphie any way I can? (laughs) I don't know. He pauses, and it was definitely in the script. Because he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't in the script. There's no way in hell they were going to let that facial... It was one second of him doing this, and I freeze-framed it to like make sure. And I'm wondering if it's because he didn't want to double up on his lie. I don't know. About taking care of I mom. would imagine he's just exaggerating to get more empathy. Okay. I thought he was just reminiscing. It was a pause. It was stoic of him. The yeah. great man. Ralph. <laughs> or he's on cocaine. We've seen him do oh, drugs right. you, at you dinner just, parties too. So who knows? one of my later questions. I didn't even, I totally forgot You know what was interesting? That uh, Tony had made mention that he didn't want uh, Richie around AJ at all. And here he has Ralph like Hamming it up with AJ at the dinner table. What is Rosalie April doing with? I don't know. I feel so bad. I, 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 I never loved that. I mean, but you, I think you said it. She wants to be with the made guy. Yeah. She wants to be relevant. Yeah. That's her world. That's her fishbowl. The only way you're going to have a voice at the table, a seat at the table, is if you're with the made guy. Totally. So. And he's an earner. He's an earner. He's one of the best earners. Naya, you mentioned he's supposed to be an architect. Of course, that's a curious contrast given his penchant for destruction Mm -hmm. and violence cut to meadow's dorm room with noah caitlin walks in on meadow caitlin of course is the roommate uh walks in on meadow and noah getting fresh the music playing in the background is the dolphins cry by a band i love i said loved in the (laughs) 90s but i still love live i can listen to live any day now the lead singer can you say his name without stuttering no he crushes it. Like, we, we were talking about Hanging by a Moment. Like, if he sang Hanging by a Moment, that could have been a live song. He's the one guy who could have done it as well. Totally. Were you well, a live fan? Yeah. Throwing Copper? Oh, yeah. Lightning Crashes? I'm going to listen to that on the way home. I know, I'm going to listen to that. Lightning <laughs> Crashes, man? What a title. Wow. Yeah. 
Noah mentions Todd Browning's 1932 movie Freaks, which is what Caitlin was scared about. I went a little bit further. It's a film whose byline reads, Can a full-grown woman truly love a midget? Really? Yeah, that's the tagline. A mental Uh, midget. The film itself has inspired, however, Ramon songs, David Bowie songs, Simpsons and South Park episodes, pro wrestling acts, and tons of more niche things. Have you seen it? Major Muse, yeah. Have you seen it? Uh, No. Have you? Yeah, it's pretty intense. Caitlin's got a postcard of, you see her three times, I think, and each time next to her head, you see Sandro Botticelli's Birth of Venus painting in the form of a postcard. That painting, of course, is from the late 1400s. The original painting is currently in Florence. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever been to Florence? Of course. Uh, The painting is classic contrapposto. Can you say that in Italian for me? That was, no, I don't want to. That was amazing. Okay. In terms of the subject's stance off balance and favoring one side over the other. And that her stance actually is, you don't see it in the postcard, but it's actually ergonomically impossible. Interesting. The way that she's standing. Meadow and Noah take it to the next level. Like the song she was singing, I think I mentioned to you. Whoa, whoa. What was that one? Leave me breathless. The lyrics to that song are very (laughs) suggestive of let's take it to the next level. And look, one episode later, bada bing, bada boom. Boom. Okay? Just saying. In an episode of Grotesque Violence, which we're going to get to, this was a scene of innocent late teen love, in my opinion. And always with the contrasts, right? Yeah. Like, you're going to get that and then... Boom, we're going to go, where do we cut to? Well, we cut to the uh, Soprano family kitchen. Happy Meadow and happy Carmela. Did you guys notice this as well? Like Meadow and Carmela have become tighter since she went to school. It wasn't the case last season, right? This is like a nuanced thing. Is some of that because she's on the outs with Tony or is something else going on there between mothers and daughters as they get older, Naya? I think it's a little bit because she's on the outs with Tony. So uh, mention that we're back in the Soprano kitchen. Then we cut to the Bing. So family to the Bing. Always a classic yeah. juxtaposition. We see a private back room, never before seen VIP experience, right? This room is like new. Yes. Frank Sinatra's playing. Thoughts, reactions to Tracy's dress. Wild. Ralphie comes in. Is he drunk? Is he using? It sounds like... I would imagine he's on cocaine. Because okay. I think later he mentions he was high when he did some of this stuff. Since I don't know what cocaine smells like, <laughs> does cocaine make you act like that? Yes. Okay. There's can, a, I read a Vice impulsive. article about why it makes you an asshole and it something to the degree of your self-awareness uh, around you it is diminished. So while you may think you're just this super articulate and fun guy, you're way over the top and exaggerated and Abrasive and confrontational. Silvio warns him to behave. It's just crazy to see this after-hours environment because when I first watched this, I remember being like, wow, this is probably happening all the time and we just haven't seen this. They're giving us more exposure, letting us behind the curtain. Yeah, and we see Meadow lose her virginity, but Tony, we're the only ones as a viewer that get to experience that. We're getting a lot. Yeah, and then we're getting even more with her dad and, you know, the Sopranos crew. It's crazy. It's a lot to take in. Ralphie's fucking with George. He ignores Silvio 
and I pose this to you guys again, like, what the fuck? Like, why is this okay? Like, he's a made guy. I understand. We're going to talk about the rules in a little while, but like, why does a made guy get to go over the line when another made guy has said to him, like, get yourself in check? Any feelings or thoughts or reactions to that? Or is it just, is this a fucking Wednesday night? Well, by the judge of everyone's reaction to him and telling him to calm down that he's crossing the line, I just find it so fascinating that in this universe of such moral turpitude that they then have a line. Like, you can be an asshole, but you can't be a Ralph asshole. I'm going to jump universes to the wire, man. A man got to have a code. Okay? <laughs> Omar! It's fucking true! Yeah. Yeah. And he's, like, way outside of the bounds of it. So Silvio, who is, like, number two is saying stop and he's not stopping, he should be able to smack him up. I know. know? I was surprised why nobody reprimanded him sooner. Nobody does shit. And I think it's because Gigi's just a bouncer. He's a glorified bouncer. He's basically like an employee. You can kind of... He's replaceable, just like the strippers. You think it's up to Gigi to actually assert his authority over Ralphie at this point? Well, he can't because he's a made guy, Ralphie. So it's kind of like he's just pawning on someone who's like a weak... Someone he can just fuck with. And at the end of the day, Silvio and... Chrissy aren't going to fucking defend Gigi all the way and get in trouble with Ralph. Like, it's just a it's bad situation. It's like if situation. two guys are in the same job and then one of them gets promoted, the guy that doesn't is always going to look at that guy as the guy who's still his level. Yeah. Like, we were down here together. Yeah. And that's exactly what's going on with Ralphie, right? He got stepped over or passed up or whatever the hell you want to call it. And he's able to do that. And Gigi's still in his headspace. He's still at that level with Ralphie. You know, he doesn't know how to... He doesn't want to rock the boat, I guess. I don't know. It's also just wild because Gladiator, there's so much code of honor and respect. And, like, it's just the most, like, you're just like, man, what a man. What a stand-up. Like, it's just— Stand-up guy. Q. Omar And he's obsessed with this movie, and he couldn't be further from, like, you know, acting that way. What it's actually trying to convey to viewers. Totally. I had a quick mention here of Tony smelling someone else's drink twice before drowning it. That is, like— Classic me. I didn't notice that. I had to go back I to was, find uh, it. I was someplace yesterday at a meeting and... Uh, <laughs> You're there smelling was, your drinks, babe? No, there was no service. No one came to bring me something, but there, there were people that were at the table before I was there with the people I was with. And so I saw a glass of water that looked like it had been like unscathed and untouched, like no lip marks or anything. So I reached over. I was thirsty. No one was coming. <laughs> so I reached over and I grabbed it and I went, and then I took a sip and it tasted like water, but I did the exact <laughs> Tony thing. It's a, it's an OCD neat freak reflex. And he has that, you know, like it's so many people have it. I thought based on what you thought of Tony being paranoid about the bread, that your note on this was that he was checking the drink to yeah. see if it was. Look, he always does. I strongly believe that he's paranoid. Yeah. I mean, he's the last, final moment that we see him. He's extremely paranoid. And if I was in his shoes, if you were in his shoes, I think it would be safe to say, especially if you've already had an assassination attempt on your life, season one, episode 10 or 11, Isabella, no, whatever Isabella is. You just rain manned that. No, no, it's, uh, it's <laughs> definitely uh, it's, uh, it's, ep- it's episode 12. It's episode 12 because <laughs> it's the penultimate episode. Once you've had someone shoot you, okay, and he gets shot at like, what, four times? Yeah. You're going to check everything. You know, you're even going to, remember we talked about this in a previous episode too, when he takes a, when he steps over to take a leak in a urinal and the door opens, he immediately looks over his shoulder. Whereas most of us would just be like, Hey, we would just talk to the wall. He looks over because you have to. It's a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. Yeah. Cut from Tracy back to Meadows dorm. Again, we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. There's nothing much to say about that other than we're being delivered a message and we're being allowed to sort of take our bridge to nowhere. 
Noah and Meadow decide to take Caitlin out for her birthday. The only note that I wanted to bring out here is that there's a sign in Union Square, the digital numbers. Mm-hmm. It's actually a clock. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, I used to live right on 14th and 4th. So yeah. I was I was really in that scene in my head. But it's amazing how many different people think it means different things. To like conservationists, it means like how many acres of forest are being burned. And it's taken on all, all these different life forms, but it's actually a metronome clock. And I think like the first four numbers are meaningful and then the last six numbers are meaningful. And then there's three numbers that are the only ones that are, that are changing and it's very cool and it's still there. And there's a great story behind it. I think Vice did an article about it. Um, I remember that. That's one of the things I remember about New York. And so when I saw that scene, all I was thinking about was that. Um, Could you see? I couldn't remember if the Virgin Record Store was underneath it because that's what used to be under there. Yeah, that's exactly where it used to be. Mm -hmm. Now it's like a city national. We go from Tracy with braces to Tracy in a threesome. What was the point to showing that scene? Is it just making you despise Ralphie more? No. Why have that scene? I think it just shows how lost and confused and like the things she has to do and, you know, the braces kind of exaggerate how young she is, even though she she has messed up teeth, like she needs the braces. But I think it's hard not to think of her even younger with braces for some reason. And even the line, like, watch the teeth, like, it's just making us uncomfortable. I don't know. Yeah. I liked seeing it because it, it definitely, like, they're, they're no bullshit in this episode. And the parallels between, like, even her head down and then it cuts to Caitlyn's is, like, just so mean. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just— The transition was crazy. Oh, my crazy. God. And it's weird because I'm trying to figure out still, like, is Caitlyn and Meadow versions of Tracy? Because also Caitlyn reminds me of Ralph, like, acting out and not knowing how to handle certain things. Like, there are these parallels, and then also Meadow and Tony remind me of the same. So— Watching Tracy, I'm like, who is she? What is the symbol here? Why are we, like, what you just asked? We have to assume their relationship and watch the rise and fall of it all in one episode. And to answer your question, Vic, I think it was a way to exemplify how horrible this relationship was. He's letting other people, and she's blowing a police Police officer. officer. So Mm -hmm. maybe there's some intent there. We see him uh, again with with Polly, too, that police officer. Also, we saw Meadow have sex. We also see Tracy have sex. Two young girls, similar in age, very different trajectories. Very different So it might just be that simple of like, let's watch another girl have sex in a different way. In a different way. In a much less innocent Mm -hmm. way. Noah Bales, in another scene, his friend from Crossroads Santa Monica is coming, and he's going to see his brother at Hampshire College. Meadow's not pleased. All I got to say on this is that lots of academic institution name dropping in one sentence. Um, Meadow ditches Caitlin kind of abruptly. Uh, have you ever done that to a girlfriend who's kind of like way out of her gorge? You're just oh kind of like, God, peace yeah. out. Nice. Guys don't do that to each other. Girls are really tough, like really right. business, right? It's like... Yeah, and she's she's put in her dues. Meadow's trying hard yeah, with her. Yeah, she's tried. She's she's not really her friend either. Yeah, she's still a stranger. She's a roommate. Roomy. Come on, man. Roomy's a special Dorm place. room. Did you have a freshman roommate? I had a freshman roommate. She is still my best friend. There you go. Mine was not an amazing experience, but I remember him. I'll just leave it at that in case. <laughs> He's listening. So Meadow ditches Caitlin and comes home, snuggles with Carmela. She effectively tells Carm she loves Noah on account that they slept together, right? That's um, pretty bold. I would never have that conversation with a parent, but that's just me. Cut to Tony and Tracy. Again, note the contrast. We went from Meadow to Carmela. And then we go from Tony to Tracy. Uh, Autopsy also points this out very beautifully. The abortion conversation. Would you want my advice? 
You already got one kid. Problems with that, burning them with cigarettes, whatever the fuck you were I doing. I got help for that. I had a lot of repressed anger. The county social worker says it all goes back to my mom and holding my hand on the stove. Whatever, okay? Your age, your situation. You need another kid like you need a fucking hole in the head. You're young. You still got your figure. You're making money. So you think I should get an abortion? Believe me. But Ralphie is the father, you'll be doing this kid the next few generations a favor. Uh, agree? I don't know. I'm pro-choice. You're pro-choice. You should do what you want. But you're Catholic and you're Italian, and it's uh, very not, that's I'm, very much not the case. I know. I think she should not have a, a second child right now. You think if Tony had a Gumar and she got pregnant, he would make her have an abortion? No. Mm, I don't know. It's hard to... Carmella would. <laughs> would Carmella have an abortion? No. Carmella wanted a kid. No, but if Carmella got pregnant through some other entity besides Tony, would she keep it? I mean, maybe because Carmella contradicts herself. She wanted to have his tubes tied, which is not in the Catholic faith. You don't do that. So I think... Again, I ask, because it sounds like we're dancing around this. Would Carmella have the baby if it wasn't Tony's? No. She would not. So she would violate. I think she would violate. For her own life? Because she wants to just protect her reputation and the way she okay. appears. Self-preservation. Yeah. So abortion is trumped by—the religious belief on abortion is trumped by self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would Thank be you. And Tony, if he—one um, of his many flings ended up getting pregnant, he would also tell her to have an abortion. I don't know about that one. You don't know about that one. I think he could keep some secrets. How about you, well. sir? If it was a boy, he would name it Tony. And if it was a girl, he would name it... Fielder. <laughs> so we go from Tony to Tracy, and then we cut back to Entitled Meadow holding out her drink for more. Um, not sure what the latent intent is there, but the constant contrast and letting the viewer build their own bridges to nowhere is amazing. Like, uh-huh. it's just, you know, uh, there's something happening. Let's look at it from the standpoint of being first-time viewers for a minute. We we know this, so it's kind of boring almost. But, like, if you're watching this in a vacuum by itself, you are built. it's building this anticipation, right? Tracy Meadow. Tracy Meadow. Tracy Meadow. What's going to happen? Tracy you gets know? advice from this fatherly figure, and Meadow needs some. Yes. <laughs> I had in my notes about a uh, spiraling tornado. And that they're going in opposite directions and slowly this is funneling into a, a path of destruction for both of them, actually. Also, the need for when you're stressed out in this TV show, you overeat or look for food or drink more. It's like a very common theme, like food fills the void. So Meadow's like, she's move, looking for food always or like wants more stuff. It's like a little Italian thing we do. Food solves problems. It's, it's a way to, like, have control. Totally. Food is a way to have control. You can mutilate your pasta, <laughs> and you can, like, you can stab your meat. I'm telling you, this yeah, is what it is. Like 100%. I, I have no control over what's been happening the last 14 days, but when I'm biting into a double-double, mm. I'm not leaving any prisoners, okay? <laughs> There's not even a trace of fucking lettuce in that little soupy mixture of the in-and-out little wrapping. <laughs> Even the soupy mixture gets decimated. <laughs> I hate that soupy mixture. This soupy mixture is the best That's when so it gets funny. on your fingers. Yeah. Like, oh man. So it's a human thing. It's not necessarily a cultural thing. 
So we go from Noah's apartment with a uh, Caitlin sighting, cutting back to Tracy. You mentioned that all these girls are like in an interweb together. Yeah. Cut to Tracy not at work for three days. Cut back to Meadows' dorm with Caitlin. Uh, the cuts are disorienting at this point. Again, I'm looking at it purely from a, in a vacuum standpoint. And if you guys have any thoughts on these cuts, I would love to hear them. Cut to Spartacus. Ralphie hating on Christopher's taste in movies. Kubrick directed Spartacus. Mm -hmm. That was a news flash to me. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I must must have seen it in the ether at some point in my life. But when I was looking at the stuff for this episode, I was like, wow, I didn't know that was on his filmography. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, of course. That whole I Am Spartacus scene is... One of my favorites. It's great. Like, it's a good movie. It hasn't aged well. It's what you do when you're all in trouble. Yeah. And only one person did it, but you just all accept it. Yeah. I am Spartacus. That's what I say to my burger. Yeah. <laughs> For I leave no prisoners. So the Spartacus scene with Ralphie watching Spartacus, just want to note on the painting behind him. Uh, Autopsy alluded to this as well. It's suggestive of torment, unpredictability, and terror. But then you contrast that with the rolling rock that's in the foreground, and you're pulled from possibility immediately to the blunt force regularness of life in classic fashion. Yeah. Again, I don't think the paintings are unintentional. Like I Why totally they put that agree. right behind Ralphie's head? He could have gone to Home Goods and put anything up there. I know. They thought about it. This scene is so beautiful. Like the lighting, her in the little t-shirt. It's just so depressing. She brings him a Pop-Tart. His digs aren't that great. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like his his apartment's a little depressing. No? Yeah, it's a little disheveled. But I think what I learned from this episode is that Ralphie has really low self-esteem. He really hates himself deep down, so he probably doesn't value shit. He doesn't care about how his stuff looks. Like, he's in his own house. He doesn't He doesn't have any self-respect deep down. He treats women like shit, and he had to quit his life to go take care of his mom, and this is how he treats women? Wild. Like, that father-son-mother son, relationship must be wild. Must be really complex. Yeah. Talking about David Chase's complexity, this is, like, next level. Maybe some of that was taken out on the character. That's Who some, knows? Yeah. Cut back to Meadow and Noah. Noah, we learn, gets a C minus. Have you guys ever gotten a C minus? Uh, I only got C minuses. <laughs> this is the same scene where he mentions the restraining order on Caitlin. Uh, it's coming up. It's coming up. So uh, we learn that he's an RA. He wants options, we learn. I love that line. It's just a great, the writing of him, he's he's not a... He's a type. He's a type. And they wrote him to a T. Totally. Okay? He's spot on. He's written very well. I want options. You know, like, I've heard that. I've even said that. But I've heard so many people be like, look, I want optionality in my life. Options are good, right? Cut to Tracy and Ralphie. Enter Silvio. Silvio knocks on a door. He has a couple of great lines in this scene. Put your shoes on. Oh, what'd I say? I don't know. What'd you fucking say? Three days she missed work. I've been sick, Sil. Oh, yeah? I called your house. Your mother says you haven't been there for two days either. I would see her. Ralph's taking care of me. Scratchy either. You got a little kid at home. Her mother's watching him. Mind your fucking business, Ralph. Oh, where do you get the ball to come here? Three grand is cutting to me. And where do I get my fucking balls? Now, my problem, he lets Tracy go. He knows she's pregnant with his baby. Silvio smacks her up on the hood and he's laughing in the window. And I know this is fodder for all the memes and it's just like, you can you can go this in a million different directions. But this for me is when I was officially done with him. 
This is like when, okay, like, look, now I understand what they're doing. And it's also where I break off. I break away with the Richie comparison because this is next level. Ralphie now stands alone amongst characters. He's not a Richie offshoot or a Richie like wannabe. He's Ralphie. Mm -hmm. And it was the laughter. The one, the mother of his child is being beaten and he's laughing hysterically. Yeah, he had the opportunity to stop that from happening. Yeah. He just needed to pay Silvio three grand, and then it would no longer be Silvio's problem. Great point. He could have opened up his pocket and handed him a wad of cash. And they have that confrontation, he says, and based off of these rules and the code that they have, right now, she belongs to Silvio. Yeah. And he says, Get your shit. Get your shit and get out of here. So, again, on this weird line of code, you would say Richie's an old school. His quote before was, you don't hit a woman until you give her your last name. Like, yeah. How fucked up is that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that's, but that's, old, that's tradition, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's what marriage used to be. Okay, so we cut from Ralphie laughing at Tracy to Ralphie laughing at a dinner party. That was so fucked up. Rose hosting dinner. What was the point of this scene? To show them all on their, like, bipolar, like, all the husbands acting normal. And then we just saw Silvio— They could just go from this to that on a dime. we just saw Silvio, like, hurt this poor girl with braces. And then laughing, like, in revelry with each other. Yeah, and it's also interesting that the the wives or partners are ripping on their husbands, and they're letting them. Yeah, it's it's a safe place. It's an—but it's just interesting that they're being slightly made fun of as, like, it's all joking, but, like, it's just weird. It's weird. It was just another uh, example of how crazy these guys live their lives. Yeah. They're one way and another. I think to some respects, the way you act around your friends or the conversations are going to be extremely different than when you get your significant others and you together. Uh, but it's fun. It's this, this universe is just... Wild. It's wild, yeah. And dinner table scenes are always the best. Speaking of dinner table scenes, thank you for the segue. We go from dinner table at Rose House to dinner with Noah's dad, who I was a big fan of, by the way. I was so Ugh, I was so enamored Ugh. and impressed with him early on. Now I'm I'm discussing this with you guys from the standpoint of a early 20-something who was watching this. Okay. You know, and I was like, wow, man, Land Tenenbaum, that's the shit. That's the shit That's right the there. <laughs> and he's still, he's still the shit. Right, he right fucking here. reps Dick Wolf. But I have a problem, and I'm going to get to this now. So we learned that he flies first class. He's got a personal DVD player, which in those days was fucking a big deal. Don't even try to front, Ugh. okay? And he reps actors. I thought Jamie Lynn Sigler did a great job being impressed by Noah's dad, the gravitas of her boyfriend's dad. He mentions... Clover guys, the 94 if you've got. That's a Napa Cabernet. This is my problem. This is my problem. What's the problem? (laughs) That's a Napa Cabernet that retails for about 30 bucks as recently as 2018. Their most expensive current bottle is a 2014 Cabernet, which retails for around a buck 25. Pricey, but certainly less than I expected from a Mr. Len Tenenbaum. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I think you and me have spent more on bottles of wine in a restaurant and we're not Len Tenenbaum. Absolutely. Okay. I, I save the two-buck chuck for home, but when I'm going out to dinner, I'm going to get the good stuff. You're going to 70, 80, 90 bucks, somewhere in there. You guys brought there, nice you know? wine to my house. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know anything about wine. Only the best for you. I but, mean, that tagliatelle still, I'm like, I'm... I'm we got to do it again. Yeah. That kind of food requires that kind of wine. That, absolutely. So anyway, I just wanted to shout out to Noah's dad, shout out to the Klobuga, the 94, if you've got it. 
<laughs> if you've got it. It's such it's good so writing, but it's such good writing. Know, the I 94, know. if you've got it, and you know he reaches over his shoulder, and that's all in script. It's not, he's not ad-libbing. Yeah. This coterie of writers in this episode were like, that's how he's going to do it. And I just love that. I just, it makes me so happy. Cut back to Tracy at the Bing. She's dancing to the kink song in this scene. It's basically just like a transition scene. Nothing's happening other than Tracy getting introduced. We see her figure. We see her form. She's a 10, right? She's, she's what Tony, beautiful. She's what Tony would call, I think someone calls her a thoroughbred, right? Mm-hmm. By this point, I'm kind of convinced that the cuts are designed to keep you glued to the screen for what's coming. If you turn away, you might miss something or maybe you won't miss anything, but the device is kind of interesting because it goes immediately from her pole to back to Noah complaining about guys cutting in line. Meadow wants to see Caitlin. His dad is filed. We learned, John, you mentioned this. We learned that uh, Len Tannenbaum has filed a restraining order. A little extreme. Yes. Wait, have your parents ever filed a restraining order on your behalf? Have your parents ever filed a restraining order on your behalf? No. But this goes back to something happened in that room. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm thinking that either... Is this part of your thing? Yeah, that Noah had either overstepped his bounds with Caitlin or something crazy awkward, whatever it may be, to the degree that he had to... Let his dad know. Like, it's a strange... Some people are like that. You think his dad would have asked him? The movie they were in line to see, by the way, real quickly, was Dementia 13, 1963 slasher film by Coppola, which I actually have seen. So good. It was made for 30 grand, which in today's dollars would be the equivalent of 250 grand. So not a lot of money. Cut back to the Bing. Again, the Bing is like the anchor of this episode by no stretch of the imagination. Ralphie's telling jokes. Gigi's uninterested. We know, we've mentioned this already, there is a tension building between the two of them. Something is going to happen between the two of them. At least that's how we're being led. Tracy tells Ralphie to fuck off, which starts us down the cascade to the scene that takes place outside. Fuck you. Three days you don't call, even to see how I am. Baby, I'm busy. I gotta work. How else am I gonna take care of you when you're nine months pregnant? Are you serious? Of course I'm serious. We'll get a little house. In Coltsnack. I know that guy who's a mortgage broker. Really? Ralphie, I love you. I love you too, baby. Any explanation other than the obvious, what he's doing? Is this, is this the drugs, Anaya? Or is this just... I don't know. I mean, a part of me is also like... Why is he so mean to her? Because she's a stripper. He doesn't value her. Okay. And and I think some... I mean, she's not a guma. She's a stripper, he's saying. She's even lower. Yeah. He calls I, her a hua. Uh, yeah. She's even lower than a gumar. Yeah. yeah. Which okay. I think we have to remind ourselves. I mean, we don't feel that way, but I think in his head, that's all she is. And sadly, like, that's how he, he treats her, like, third, third rate. And it's hard she, to, like, get there. Yeah. She lands a punch, and good for her. She stood up for herself when no one else would. He hits her back. Mm -hmm. She says, you feel like a man. Death wish. Death wish, for Um, sure. It's really tough to watch. The last words to her. Look at you now. He reminded me, after watching these Ted Bundy documentary videos, that he's just evil incarnate. And what's scarier than someone who, in the front 
is very, oh, I'm this nice guy, but uh, scarier than the likes of like a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers because you can see those guys coming. Ralph. You don't see coming. You don't. Hiding behind I just think he's so damaged. I mean, I felt bad. Obviously, it was devastating what he did to Tracy, but I felt so bad for him. Just like, what a loser. I'm super interested in the fact that you find him sympathetic. I You're just to I him. feel bad for him because he's like must be just so miserable and damaged that he has to go that far and hurt this innocent. I mean, granted, at the back of my head, I'm like, okay, there's also a child she's carrying of his that he probably doesn't really want. So there might be some weird subconscious motive to get rid of her. He's dating Roe. That'll fuck up everything with Tony and like the hierarchy family or whatever. So. I don't know. And if you, if you were on cocaine, you take everything too far. And then she baited him, calling him not a man. So yeah. it could have all just escalated. But there are reasons to get rid of her. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like when people are that f- disgusting, it's hard not to feel bad for them. Because like, obviously, something's wrong with you. And I feel bad. And you should figure it out. The use of light and darkness were key to letting the viewer stomach this scene. It was masked a little bit. Uh, much of the violence, thankfully, was left to the imagination. Which I think is worse sometimes. Uh, yeah, but like this was grotesque. Yeah. Right? You heard the sound of yeah. her head against yeah. the... Yeah, the sound. Yeah. The sound Guard, was guardrail. Um, in many ways, it made it more difficult to watch, you know, but it was... I think they did it, and Autopsy alluded to this as well. They just... they For as bad of a scene as it was, it was done elegantly, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, we've talked about how this season in particular really upped the ante of, you idolize these guys? You like these characters? Yeah, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Let's Let's take it to the extreme and show you how horrible they are. I don't even think this is that outrageous for them, though. That's what I think we just don't don't realize. Sometimes we fall back because we see them in family life or their kids. Like, even seeing Silvio hit her, I was like, what? But that's just their normal life. Ralphie would beat up another stripper in two months. Like, it's not. And here's the thing. All the other girls, if it had just been, like, some random one they smacked up, we would have had no feeling for her. We have spent, like, at this point, 38 minutes liking Tracy. There's nothing despicable about her other than she was like a, she's a bad mother, but she even like explained that away. She's like, I'm, I'm taking a class or I'm going through, I'm working through my problems. She's you feel a, bad for her. You feel yeah. bad for her. So she's been humanized for 38 minutes and then she gets dehumanized in the worst possible way. Um, I think that's why that you go through the range of emotion yeah, for sure. and most humans can't like they regulate it. Yeah. They don't care about that at all. Right. We even see Tony trying to gra- like figure out even what Tony he should do. The, yeah. He's, and that's you like, know? it's like a moral thing thing this episode yeah. meadow wants to help caitlin but she can't either tracy slipped a good writing but like come on man there was some writing about how a uh, joe pantoliano like people were like interested in like how he dominated her and like they wanted to like feel how strong or like you know masculine he was but my counterpoint to that is the first thing he does when he walks in is put his hands on ice mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it's, just, yeah. it, it's a little contradictory um Polly goes out first I actually loved Polly in this scene. Me too. I really respected Polly. Like Polly kind of like rose up a notch in my mind here. Tony sees last, which again was kind of interesting. Where is he? Inside. Go get him. I, as the viewer, first time viewer, I'm thinking, kill this motherfucker, right? Mm. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. I didn't know about the rules and all the made guy shit. The first time I watched it, I was not a connoisseur of all things mafia. I thought he would have had permission or gotten clearance if he had done it there. It's it's later on because if he had killed Ralph there... If he had done what there? Killed Ralph. If he had killed Ralph after 
he saw this. He had his three most uh, respected, honored yeah. crew people. They would have backed him. I, on I think it? they would have backed him and, and gotten rid of the problem. But it's it's because of that code, and even Tony's first uh, approach to Ralph about this is massive disrespect. To you disrespected the place. the place. It wasn't yeah. about you killed somebody in the back of this place. Is <laughs> um, that that you did it at this place? Yeah. How dare you? Sylvia wants to get Tony the fuck out of there because we see a car that's like swerving on the road. The line. Cocksucker was way out of line. Twenty years old, this girl. That too. Let's go. That too is such a exclamation point on the skill set that these writers have. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Oh, Did you notice now. that final cut in that scene with the water? Uh, yeah. The, sort of this peaceful end of her life going down the river? Yep. Uh, the Alan Coulter interview. We talk about that where he put the camera, the footbridge that they walk over in a later episode. Mm -hmm. That footbridge is the exact footbridge where Tracy's blood was basically just washing into the creek. Wow. Yeah. Cut to Columbia. We go from the scene at the back of the Bada Bing where some girl dies to the beautiful campus of Columbia University in Morningside Heights. Okay, again, there could not be a greater contrast, right? I know. The library. Nice library, by the way. Noah breaks up with Meadow. Brutal. Gangster place to do it. Yeah. Does he know? Like, she doesn't know what she could do to him. But, like, she, you know how later on we're going to see Carmela say, You better watch your step. You better watch your step. Like, Noah better watch his step. That was a money move to use a Cardi B line. That was a money move right there for Noah. You do it in a place where it can't escalate. That's true. I feel like breaking up at a a public restaurant. Jerry (laughs) Moore. Bob Sugar. You bring me to a restaurant, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. public place, yeah. where I can't make a scene. I'm going to make a scene. I'm going to make a scene. I'll make a scene wherever <laughs> yeah. I go. I Show me the numbers. Get me my numbers. Get me my numbers. Yeah. That's a great connection right there. You're too negative. Underlying cynicism about everything. Did you guys experience that with Meadow? No. No, she's the rock of humanity in this whole show. Yeah, she's our only chance yeah. of like having a role model. Then he says, I really didn't want to get into this. He's but he said, dick. we need to talk. Yeah, that's what all guys do. You put it out, and then you take it right back. And then he goes right back to cracking the books, which is classic Noah, trying to work off that C-. minus. Loser. So, sayonara, Noah, and I hope he got into the law school of his choice. Yeah. So we go from Meadow, cut to Melfi, which again, to me, signifies something. You know, my whole power play. Meadow to Melfi, to me, is another Cardi B money move. So Melfi is more aligned with Carmela this round. I think that was a little strategic on her part. She got a little bit of backlash from Carmela, so she came correct for round two. Uh, Tony fabricates a story to, to tell the story of Tracy. I actually, personally, am not a fan when he does this. It bothers me, but there's nothing you can do about it. This particular, because he's done this before. Exactly. I don't like it when he like says it's a work-related it injury. It was, though. Clever writing, but like I, he dances around it a little bit, and she knows he's bullshitting, and Carmela knows he's bullshitting. Yeah. The way Carmela looks at him, she's thinking... Who got whacked? Yeah. You know? It's disappointing that the way it was written, Tony's so concerned or uh, upset about what's happened to Tracy, but he never did anything about it. And it's almost like you watched it all. Well, I don't I don't feel bad for you yeah, feeling bad. I know. Now. Yeah, he doesn't do anything about it yet. 
Well, he meaning he in this more episode, like helping Tracy or saving her is what I mean. Are you suggesting that in the future he vindicates her death specifically? I'm saying if I'm him in the future, I'm being I'm Tony Soprano. I'm strategic. I'm playing chess, not checkers, and I'm going to lie in wait. I'm not just going to react. I mean, he reacted. He got what he wanted out initially, but now he's got to be like, okay. And now he's doing what, like, on the right side of the law someone would do is build a case. He's building a case, in my opinion, he's building a case against Ralphie. Hmm. In this episode, he doesn't do anything, but I'm saying I feel like I feel like he's never going to forget this. Okay. Yeah, it's just okay? one more thing to add to the list. One more thing to add to the list. And this is a big thing to add to the mm-hmm. list because it's sad to see them go so young. Cut to Tony eating honeycomb. He says sad when they go so young. Cut to Tony eating honeycomb cereal like a schoolboy. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, love it. Meadows pissed, which is the contrast from earlier. God, is there nothing to eat in this house? We'll see this again down the road, mm-hmm. right? That exact scene. Cut to the girls on the pole. Again, Meadow to girls on the pole. The song, the song, the song, the use of it to ease into a new day. You know? Fucking so good. It makes me want to cry. C'est la vie. My favorite part of the episode by far is when the song cues back in, bookends the show. So good. Unrelenting regularness of life, come what may. Just another day. Just another and fucking the day. the advice the stripper gives the other, the newbie. Uh, Georgie's indoctrinating a new girl into the system. Same line. Same line. Yeah. line it's just another day. And that is like, that's actually the saddest part of the whole episode. She's dead. She had a horrible sort of like up and down. Meadow broke up with her boyfriend. Where do you go from here? <laughs> this, yeah. is, uh, this episode didn't move us any direction forward. It almost like college was a very standalone episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very good point. We go someplace good, though. We do. Yeah. And they, they the last few several episodes have been super violent. Um, I feel like we're due for a little break. Guys, it's been a pleasure as always. Likewise. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks, you. John. Thanks, Naya. We'll see you next time. <laughs>